This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The, the, the first plague is, first plague is blood. Every, every plague, there's a machloket. Every plague lasted a month. But the question is, was it, every plague lasted a month, but the question is, was it one week of warning and three weeks of plague? Or three weeks of warning and one week of plague? We're going to go according to the way that we're going to go over it. We're going to say three weeks of warning and one week of plague. That's how we're going to go, and, and we're going to go into that interpretation. So, which means is that every single time that Moshe warned Paro about it, he warned him for three weeks, and then it followed by, by seven days of, of plague. Now, Paro, the first, the first, uh, um, the first plague, Moshe, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, go speak to Paro by the river, by the Nile. Now, why did God tell Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to God by the, by, you know, by the river? The, and by the way, what I really want to try to get, what I didn't do, last time I said the story of, 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 the, of Egypt, we went through it. I want to try to paint you, I want you to really imagine this. I want you to really paint this picture, go into your imagination. The more that you imagine it, the better off that you are. So my imagination is, Baruch Hashem, fantastic. So I, like, I have a blast every time I go through this. It's just like so comical to me. So Paro was, he called himself a god. Right? There are a few people that in our generation think of themselves as God. Uh, and um, I hope that it's not your husbands or, you know, like, but, it, it, you know, there are people that think of themselves as highly, but God, but, but Paro not only thought himself as God, he's also portrayed himself as God. He says, no, I am the God. He says so much so that I created the Nile. Paro went, talking about like psychotic issues, he, he said that he created the Nile. He is the God that created the Nile. But he also said that he's a god himself. Now, a god does not have to use the restroom. So, you know, it's a godly feature. You don't have to go to the bathroom. So, yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna hear it, right? So, so what he, what Paolo did is there's gonna be a few things over here that are gonna be a repeat from uh, from what I spoke about. There's a few new things, a few repeat from from when I spoke about the hidden story of Paolo, of of Egypt, the, the Exodus. The Paul made a very interesting rule. He, the rule was, nobody's allowed to go out of the house in the early morning. Why? Because Paul has got to go to the Nile and do his, you know, godly-like features, which is not godly-like, which is very human-like, which is, you know, he's doing his business. Every, every morning, he would, you know, he was, his cycle, I guess, I don't know how he was, he was able to build it that way, but uh, in the Nile is where he did, so nobody was allowed to leave. And his palace was right by the Nile. And he claimed himself as a god. So, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, go to him in the Nile. Now, I want you to picture this, right? So, Paro, Paro, by the way, is a short guy. A little midget, right? He's about a little bit over two feet tall. Had a beard to his ankles. A little bit of chemical. I'm going to look a little bit. What? Is that legit? Yeah. No, 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 that's legit. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a very short guy. A very short guy. He sat at the curb, his feet were dangling. He's saying his fingers, fingers, feet. So, um, so, you know, and he wanted to grow a beard, so, you know, he wanted to look respectable. But his beard, he kept tripping over it. Whatever, it's a, situa- it's a situation. So, Paro, you know, he's in the shallow waters, which is up to his neck, right? So, he's in, the sh- he's in the waters over there, and he's concentrating very, very strongly on his divine powers. Divine powers. Right? He's concentrating, he's working very hard through his morning routine. And so, he's in his zone, right? He's focusing, right? Nobody else is out. Everybody's got to be in. And suddenly, he gets a tap on his shoulder. Now, 
I don't know if you have ever been in a restroom, right? Just, just like imagine this. You're in, you're in a restroom. Like, no, no, like seriously, imagine it. You're in a public restroom. Even scarier, you're in a private restroom, your own head. And then you feel a tap on your shoulders. The first thing you do is you scream. Then suddenly, everything goes. And then you turn around, right? That, like, that's generally the process of it. Like, in that, just picture that for a second. Paolo was in his restroom, right? Which is the Nile, which is his godly-like figure. Suddenly he gets a tap on the shoulder. You know, you, you know like when you get shaken all the... What? Who? Huh? You know, like, it's like completely off guard. And Moshe Rabbeinu, like right away he sees him. He's like, oh yeah, so, uh, uh, and, you know, Paolo's like, you, you know, like, you knock next time? Like, you know, what are you doing over here? You know, like, completely took him off guard. Which, why did, why did God show that? To show Paul that God knows exactly who you are, when you're going, He knows exactly your bowel movement, He knows everything that's going on. You know, that, that this shows Paul that we're dealing with somebody with, with a power that knows you more than you, you know you. So, the, you know, Moshe goes over to Paul and um, imagine the uncomfortableness of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, someone's in the bathroom and be like, and you start a conversation with somebody, you know, like that. He says, listen, God is not happy with, uh, he says, listen, do you need a few minutes? You know, like, do you want me to? He's like, you know, Moshe, he's like, listen, God is not happy with the way that you're treating the Jewish people. God wants you to go and, and release the Jewish people. So, Paro obviously wasn't for it, but guess what? This happened for three weeks straight. And that, this warning itself is a plague for Paul. <laughs> the warning itself is like, God, can you leave me for a few minutes? You know, like, he's like, you know, he's reading the paper, you know, he's doing his, you know, his situation, uh, he's reading the Daily Nile, and he's going through it, and he's reading his horoscope to see what's his luck like gonna be that day, and he's like, today you're gonna meet someone in your bathroom. <gasps> he's like, no way. He's like, esophagus was right about this. So, Paul gets his warning for three weeks straight. What? Not in the morning. In the morning, nobody knew that he, where he was. He had to do his powerful... Even if his bodyguards were, were there, it's interesting. I, I didn't read the Midrashim that said that he had bodyguards. But Moshe Rabbeinu just walked right up. Yeah. Could be the body... He did that like anybody born beforehand. Which is true for normal people's brains, but when you're dealing with psychotic people, like so you can't... They de- put it with this way: the Egyptians worshipped the Nile. That's for sure. Did they worship Paro? I don't know. I didn't read that either, yes or no. But he claimed himself as God. Can't at least pretend. Yeah, boy, I, I mean, listen. I'm sure they pretend. It's communist country, right? Uh, you know, it's like, huh? Exactly. South Korea. They worship their. Uh, they worship their leaders. They have they have three portraits on their thing. What? North Korea. North Korea. Sorry. South Korea worships Samsung. North Korea worships. Uh, um, I guess he was waiting for him. He probably turned this way. So, oh, here he comes again. So then why would he be in there if he knew he's coming? Hey, listen. Oh, earlier. Oh, Even if he went earlier, Moshe Rabbeinu came earlier. You can't, you can't beat that. Not for God. You cannot, you cannot beat God. Okay. So now, the ten sayings. Let's, let, we said that each... Makkah came against the saying. Makkah of blood came against the saying of, that it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. It says, And God says, I've given you every seed, every vegetation. And the pasuk ends, This is going to be food for you to eat. The Makkah corresponding this saying is blood. Why blood? Because the food of Egypt, its source, its essence was from the Nile. In Egypt, there wasn't a lot of rain. 
How did they, the Egyptian was a very fertile land. How did they became, how did, was it so fertile? When it rained a lot, the Nile overflowed. When the Nile overflowed, it went and it watered everything else. And this is why the, the, the Nile was so powerful. In the olden days, they used to worship things that they saw power. So they worshiped the sun. Why? Because the sun, you know, it photosynthesis, it brings vegetation, it brings heat, it, it brings a lot of benefit. What more benefit can you see than the Nile? The Nile overflowed, watered everything for them. It gave them everything. They didn't need the clouds. They didn't need God. They didn't need anything. The Nile gave them everything. So they worshiped the Nile as a god. The god, the, the Nile was a source of power. That is why the first thing that God struck was their God. What you think is your God, because what would have happened if God would have said, sent Kinim, something else first? They would have said, you know what would happen? Here's the, bless you. They, 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 uh, any other language? I don't know. Okay. How do you say it in Russian? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. The uh, way that it goes is that the Nile, the, if God would have done anything else, they would have said that the Nile is so, is so angry at something else, and the Nile caused the other place to happen. Because the Nile was the big God, the main God, God said, I'm going to strike that first. That's the first thing that God struck. Oh, we're gonna get that. We're gonna get that. Who hit the? Who was the one that took the staff and hit the Nile? Aaron Akon. Why did Aaron go and hit the Nile? Because the the water, the Nile, protected Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. There is something known in Judaism as Hakaratatov, which is gratitude. It is so important in Judaism. I can't emphasize that. We spoke about this in Poem. We spoke about this many times. Judaism has such a strong emphasis on gratitude. You have to be a grateful person. It is imperative, if you want to be Jewish, that you have to be grateful. Moshe Rabbeinu had to have gratitude to the Nile. Why did he have gratitude to the Nile? What happened was, when he was a little... When, when he was, let's, let's back it up. The astrologers. The astrologers, when they looked at the stars, they saw that the person that's going to take over Egypt, that's going to release the Jewish people, his end is going to be with water. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, his end was with water. He hit the rock, it was with water. Right, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu's end was with water. So the astrologers were able to read the stars and know that the end of the leader, the redeemer of the Jewish people is going to be with water. So why did Paolo do? That's why Paolo went and he said that every Jew should be, every Jewish boy should be thrown into the river. Because the end is supposed to be the water. So he was trying to come to the end earlier. So he was trying to come to that. So what happened was, Yochavet, which was Moshe's mother, went and placed Moshe Rabbeinu in the Nile, on the river. He spent on the river. So the astrologers looked in the stars. They said, okay, the, the, the boy is ready in the water. Meaning that they thought that the boy was, that everything was taken care of. So they called off the search, they called off the, the, the plague, they called off everything that they, that they implemented. So because of that, the Nile, in essence, saved Moshe Rabbeinu. But now like, really? The Nile saved Moshe Rabbeinu? So imagine the scenario. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come. He's going to take the stick and he's going to hit the Nile. And the Nile is going to come up with a little mouth and be like, How dare you? After everything that I've done for you, it's like you're going to come and you're going to hit me? The Nile's inanimate. What are we talking about here? The Nile's going to get offended? What are we talking about? Gratitude to something that's inanimate? No. What did the Nile do? It worked as water works. It floated. Okay, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, why is Moshe Rabbeinu, do you understand the question? Why is Moshe Rabbeinu having gratitude to an inanimate object? There's nothing to have in gratitude to. It did everything that it's supposed to. But the answer is, is that sometimes we think that we have gratitude for the other person. You know why you say thank you? Because the other person did something and it's nice to say thank you. That's not why you say thank you. You don't say thank you for him or her. You say thank you for you. Your reason that you're being grateful is not for the other person. It's for you. It has nothing to do with the other person. The other person, yes, you're supposed to be grateful for. But the essence is just for you. That is why the first three plagues, the first two, dumb, blood, 
frogs, and lice were all done by Aaron. The first two are with water. Moshe Rabbeinu was saved with water. But Moshe, the, the last one, lice, was with, with dirt, with dust, with dirt. Moshe Rabbeinu was also saved by that. How was he saved by, by the dirt? Of the, anybody know? The Egyptian, very good. The Egyptian would bury, the, the ground buried the Egyptian. He had to have hakaratotov, he had to have gratitude to the ground that did, that, that, that saved it. Even though the ground's gonna, it's not gonna go like, you know, on it's Tuesday night, you know, like get together with the other elements, you'd be like, I can't believe Moshe Rabbeinu. After everything that he hit me, he wanted, like the ground is not gonna say that, the ground doesn't speak. The ground doesn't have emotions. The ground, the water doesn't have emotions, but rather the source of gratitude is really for the person themselves. There's a story brought by, give me a second, I'm gonna just get through because it it's ending so late. The, the, there's a story brought, brought down by Rabbi, Rabbi Fran. He brings down from Rabbi Saul Zeva Gustman. He was a Rosh Shiva of Netzach Yisrael. When he was uh, growing up, he lived in Europe, and his, his rabbi was Rabbi Chaim Ezer uh, Grzynski, which was, you know, this is pre-war. And he used to go with his Rosh Hashiva, he used to go with, him to, uh, with his rabbi on walks in the, in the forest. And the rabbi would point to him on certain leaves and say, he says, if you take this leaf and you put it under your tongue, this is gonna, it's going to satisfy your thirst. If you take this leaf, it's going to be able to, you know, give you, uh, you know, good uh, nutrients. So like, really, he's giving botany lessons right now? Like, I'm, what, am I opening up a botanical gardens over here? Like, why do I need these lessons of this? But he didn't ask any questions. It was okay, fine. He remembered about this leaf, remembered this leaf. A few years later, the war broke out, and he escaped into the woods. He was one of the partisans. And how did he live? He lived his life by living on these leaves. These leaves saved him more than once because of what his rabbi went and showed him. Later in his life, he went to Eretz Yisrael, he went to Israel, and he opened up his yeshiva. In front of yeshiva, he had bushes. And he would go every morning and water the bushes. And why would he water the bushes? He has gratitude for the leaves. He says, but wait a minute. Did he do an, you know, did he implant, take leaves from Europe, that ones that saved them, put them over there? And it has nothing to do with the exact leaves. He had gratitude because gratitude is something that comes from you, nothing to do with from the outside. He had gratitude for the leaves because the leaves saved him in the, in the, you know, in the, in the war. So he's gonna go and he's gonna water it. And every single morning, this is a rabbi, Rosh Yeshiva, he runs an entire Yeshiva. Trust me, he doesn't have time to take one of those little water, you know, hoses with, you know, get his little sunflower cap, you know, like with the missing over there. Go over there and be like, you know, wave to the wave neighbors. You're like, you know, how's your tulips doing? You're like, what was the rabbi doing? The rabbi w- watered his plants. Why did he water the plants? Because he had something called hakaratatov. He had gratitude. If you have to have gratitude for something inanimate, how much more so do we have to have gratitude to our people? People that help us. You have a friend that helps you. You have a parent that helps you. You have a rabbi that helps you. You have a teacher that helps you. How much more do you have to have gratitude to that? Now, certainly, how much gratitude do you have to have towards God? How much gratitude do you have to have you know, towards, towards you know, the, the source of everything that is giving you everything? This is why Moshe Rabbeinu went. He did not hit the water. He was not involved. Aaron Akon went and he was the one who hit the, who hit the water. Aaron Akon was the one who did the, the first three plays because Moshe Rabbeinu had gratitude. To a yes, to an inanimate object. Now when we go to the, to the plague of blood. Now, I want, what I want you to do, right? So we're getting to, the, to, to, to understanding the, the, you know, the, the plague of blood. The, the plague of blood, you have, to, you have to put yourself into a situation. Realize what it went through. It is crazy, amazing, fascinating when you put yourself, use your imagination. This is crazy stuff, use your imagination. So, when the plague of blood happened, everything turned into blood. Now, imagine you're showering, right? Water's going down, your eyes are closed, and suddenly you feel a different consistency in what's hitting you. 
and you open your eyes and it's red. And you're like, you know, like, you know, I mean, if you've showered in Israel, you know, depending where you showered, it might have happened before. But, uh, you know, like you're going and you're like, well, you know, like what's going on? You're like imagine what the Egyptians went through. Imagine you're taking a bath. You're sitting in a bath, you're enjoying, you have your candles, you're meditating, whatever it is that you're doing in your own time. And suddenly you open your eyes and the entire bath is full of blood. First of all, you think you're dying. And after you realize you're not dying, you're like, oh my God, what's going on? And it's not only... The water didn't, every single drop of water in Egypt turned into blood. It didn't turn into what looks like blood. It felt like blood. It smelled like blood. It tasted like blood. Every chemical property of blood had it in there. We're going to get to that. Yes, we're going to get to that. Ah, spoiler alert. Okay. Now, what happens if you have an entire river, the Nile, of full of fish, and all of a sudden there's blood. Can fish live in blood? They cannot. So all the fish die. Now, as we said before, fish give a certain fishy odor. Now imagine the odor that came with blood, because it smelled like blood, with the decomposing fish that was going on up there. So Egypt was full of this wonderful smell of death and blood. But not like regular death, fish death, which is a different type of death, if you've ever smelled death. Um, you know, it's like a, it's a it's a different you know. And by the way, the Egyptians were very very fond of smelling. They made perfumes. They had different types of herbs that went and they they used cologne and perfumes and things like that. They tried. They emptied the entire reservoir of perfume. On, nothing helped. You realize where there's a certain point where it's like a lost cause. Like stop putting. I tell this to men sometimes. Like just stop putting on axe. Just go to the shower. You know, like you cannot mask it anymore. Like it's done. You know, you got to go and you got to wash off the schmutz that you have on you. The Egypt tried as much as they could. They tried to axe, bad, axe body spray the entire Egypt, but it didn't help. Egypt stunk. It smelled so bad. Now imagine what you're doing. You're walking down the street. It smells like dead rotting fish and blood. I hope that you have never had that smell before. But just picture going into a fish store timesing that by 10,000, and then going to a blood blank that everything spilled. And then just like, you know, just like spinning around and enjoying the smell. Like, try to picture that. Picture what they went through. Put that into your imagination of what they went through. The, you know, during the time of, of Noah, the flood, the fish didn't die. Why didn't the fish die? Because the fish wasn't involved in the sin. The animals and the birds procreated, let's just call it wrong, not correctly. So, but the fish didn't. The fish were not punished. The animals and the birds were punished. In the, in the, in the plague of blood, the fish also, okay, a second. The fish also were punished. Why? Because they ate the babies when the babies were thrown into the, into the water. You had a question? Um, they ate the babies. Yeah. The birds were, were punished? The birds were punished. Why? Because they procreated incorrectly. <coughs> Interspecies, wrong gender, what? No. But they don't have. I'm, but do they don't have free will? I speak about it in a noah class. In short, is the the answer that I I think I gave over there is that human beings have an effect on the land, and they affected them to the point that they got impure. Because they got impure, they had to be purified. Think of it more of as a consequence than a punishment. Yeah. So, but we could go into more detail if you want afterwards. So now the. The fish were punished. That's why the fish died in the Nile also. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is why 
there's another reason. God wanted the fish to die. Why did God want? Because if the fish didn't die, so then the Egyptians could say, you know what, the God of the fish, which supersedes whatever the God of the Nile, was the one that caused everything. But now that there was a rotting smell, which was very obvious that all the fish died, the Nile was full of blood. The fish died, meaning that there was no power in Egypt. There was no power in the Nile. Meaning that what did God want to show? God wanted to show that there's no other power other than God. So God took apart the entire Nile from A to Z, meaning including all the fish from the top layer to the bottom layer, all dead. Meaning that they have absolutely no power in the Nile. Because what did we say? The Nile was their God. Now that God, that God showed that they have absolutely no power, that shows that there was no power in the, in the God. Can I wait to this? I have to stay. Well, it's just a question about the... Okay. The Marcos, whatever. So how did they survive if they couldn't... Like, oh, we're going to get to that. Okay. So now, let's say they cooked foods before the blood of the plague came. Then the foods afterwards also turned bloody. Any little iota of water. I don't know if you guys understand, everything that you use have water. Everything you're cooking with water, everything uses water. Your body is made with 90 plus percent of water. So your everything is made of every single thing outside of water turned into blood. Oh, we're going to get to that, yeah. Spoiler. Yes. If they were taking an orange and they wanted to squeeze the juices of an orange, guess what came out? Blood. Blood came straight out. No, the water in the body stayed, the, the water in their composition of their body stayed, stayed the same, but the, the body fluids did turn to blood. What, once the, the water left their body, yeah. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you're, you have an extra saliva on your, and you taste blood. Have you ever, you know, if you have a cut in your lip, you taste blood, like a metallic taste. That's their constantly, but they still have it, they still have the taste. The saliva turns to blood. Imagine they were like, imagine they're sitting over there, they're in their bath. And everything turns into blood. And then they go crazy and they start crying. And guess what's coming down out of their eyes? Blood. Imagine, imagine the sight. So they open, they take a metal plate and they're looking at blood. Is, what do you do with blood? You're crying blood. You cry more blood. I, I mean, I don't know what you do. Like you have a heart attack. I, like you have to picture this. They could, like imagine someone sneezed, right? And they spread it out. Blood. Like everywhere. You know, like someone, have you, has anybody ever walked in Manhattan ever? Then you would probably sneeze into somebody. <laughs> Imagine you're walking, you're walking in Manhattan and somebody in front of you sneezes and you see like a mist of blood, right? First thing you're doing, you go into the hospital, you're getting tested for everything. Right? That's the first thing that you're doing. But imagine, this is what was going on on a daily basis in Egypt. Do we, under, we have to understand what was going on. So when I went to the bathroom, it was blood. I didn't want to go there, but yeah. Sure. Right? So, so, um, only Egyptians. Only Egyptians. Yeah. The animals did die. The animals died because they didn't have it. They had a special purification process. That, let, okay, last question, let's wait for afterwards. Yeah. So, the Egyptians, their food, their drinks, but what about the, the Hebrew slaves, like when they went back to their little homes? Was their food, was their pain everything? Yes. Fine or bloody? Like everything good. Everything okay. Not everyone died, but I'm saying it was a process. So yeah, we're going to get to that. You're going to say, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to get to that. So the, they had a process with wood and stone to purify water. You know, like you have uh, what is it called? Burda. What is it? Yeah, but what is that? What is that famous company? Brita. 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 Yeah, they had like this. It was a Brita company. It was Egyptian. Um, so. Bredicalius, I don't know, that's probably Greek, whatever it was. It was a Brita uh, company, um, and 
they used to have this purification process of the water. That as much as they tried to purify the water, they could not purify it from blood. It stayed blood, it remained blood, they couldn't change it. The, the magicians and the scientists back then, they tried to reverse the effects of it. They couldn't, they couldn't reverse the effects. You know, and you have to realize Egypt was, had the, one of the most lucrative businesses was fish. Because they had the Nile. And that completely, completely tanked. The Archaim goes and, ex, and, and explains, uh, ten more minutes, possibly, uh, most likely. Archaim goes and explains, <laughs> like this, it says, Vayhi, no, no, yeah, ten minutes would be done. Blood was everywhere in the land. What the Egyptians tried to do, something brilliant. What they did was they took blood and they moved it to a different location. Well, now, why would they move it to a different location? There's different type of magical incantations. So if you're using demons as your magician's foundation, you know, for what you did, which was, which is a, which is a method, the second that you move it outside of the sphere of the sorcerer, it reverts back to it, it the, the spell goes off. So what they did was they tried to remove, they tried to move blood. He said, okay, listen, if Moshe and Aaron are doing it, so they try to move it from different locations. But whatever, wherever they moved it, blood remained blood. Which means is that they saw that this is not based off magic. This is based off something greater than magic because if it was magic, they would have reverted back to its original quality of water when they moved it to a different location. So this all happened everywhere except for Goshen. In the land of the Jewish people, it remained water. Now, Egyptians heard you know, eventually got word out that Goshen has clear water. So what they do, they all packed and they just bolted straight, straight to Goshen. I don't know if anybody has ever been, there's a, there's a few rivers, there's a few places, uh, bays in the world. It's called a bioluminescent bay. Is anybody familiar with this? Bioluminescent bay? Fantastic, it's an amazing thing. It's a, you know, you go over there, you say, Marabu Masakshan. I've been to it. Uh, I've been to one of them. The bioluminescent. What, what, it, what it does is, there's, it's a, it's a, um, there's different parts in the world. There's a certain uh, microorganism called di- uh, dinoflagellates where it's in the water and when you go at night, on a clear night, when it has to be clear, whatever it is, that you go in the water, the second that the, the microorganism in the water gets agitated or disturbed, it glows, a bluish-green glow. So if you're, let's say, using a boat, as you're paddling, as your paddles hit the water, it will turn, it will light up. It would glow in the dark. I'm... They have in Puerto Rico. They have different places in the world. I've I've been to it. I've actually swam in it. It's amazing. You go over the you really say Malibu Hashem. You go over there and it, uh, I said Malibu Hashem. No, no, I didn't say what Hashem said. I said Malibu Hashem. It was so amazing. So you go over there. So you're swimming. The second you jump in the water, the whole water around you glows. You smack the water, it glows. If you see certain fish that are swimming a certain way, you see it glowing. It's a, it's a myobacteria that the second that you touch it, it glows. Now, why am I telling you this? The Egyptians heard that in the land of Goshen, there is water, there's clear water. So they all ran to Goshen, and they all touched the water. The second that they touched the water, what happened to the water? It turned to blood. So they touch the water, it's just like the bio, it reminded me just like the bio, the second that you touch it, it glows. The second they touch it, it turned to blood. So they touch it, they put it in their mouth, they taste it blood. And then they spit it out. And they're like, I don't understand. They put it back down, water. Touch it, blood. Not touch it, water. It's like, what? Well, it's crazy. So they go to the Jew. The Jew picks it up, makes a bacha, drinks it. Ah, it's delicious. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Oh. So you take the water and you go over there. Water, water. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, the water. Would you like some water? You know, Egyptian, esophagus. You know, they'd be like, and you're like, Mm. Ah. I don't know if they did that, but uh, as what I would do. Um, 
so the Egyptian says, no, 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 keep it, that's me. The second that they grab the water they put into their lips, it turned into blood. They said, okay, you know what? There's something going on. They put two straws inside. He says, you drink when I drink. The second that they, the, 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 the Hebrew drank it, beautiful tasting water, the Egyptian tasted it, beautiful tasting blood. You know, if you're a vampire. Uh, otherwise, it's a disgusting taste of blood. And they tasted it, it was like, they couldn't figure it out. Until they found out that the only way that they're going to be able to drink water is if they buy, if they pay the Jewish people. So they go over to the Jewish, Jewish person says, okay, you want blood? Uh, you know, pay up. I said, okay, come on, I want a cup of, uh, cup of water, please. Scoops out a cup of water from his toilet, and he says, um, $2,000, please. He's like, are you kidding me? $2,000 for toilet water? Are you kidding me? He's like, why am I going to pay this? He's like, go fine, listen, go to the next guy. He's like, you don't have to buy it over here. He goes over to the next guy, he says, $3,000. You know, I choose to you know, do business. You know, like at the end of the day, they, they paid so much money for we didn't have a choice. They had to buy it. When you don't have anything, you'll pay anything for water. You're in the desert, you'll pay thousands of dollars for water. So they went to the, you know, and they had the only way that they were is they, they were able to buy water from the Jewish people. The, the sorcerers, how did, they, how did the Egyptians realize? The sorcerers realized Moshe Rabbeinu was warning them for three weeks. So the sorcerers knew something was coming up. So the sorcerers prepared pitchers of water and when they realized that the plague was happening, they, they mumbled something on the water, and the second that all the water turned to blood, their water also turned to blood. He says, hi, see, I did it. <laughs> My magic did it, because they did it at the same time. You know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you've ever seen this. You go into a subway, and the guy did this for a video purpose. It was a video camera over there. You see a guy in workout clothes. And he has, you know, those powder for the heavy weight lifters. A train comes by. And as a train is slowing down, this guy is like scrawny. You can see his bones. He runs and he's as if he's slowing down the train. And this train slowly slowing down and he slows it down and he taps on the train and the train opens up and he slows down the train. The second that the train is ready to leave, he runs, he pushes the train behind until it runs and then he pushes it off. And then he goes off and he stretches. Right? Did this guy really change over the train? He didn't do anything. You ever see the magician that goes and the elevator dings open and he's like... I just did this. You know, like you didn't do anything. The elevator was going to open up itself. So the Egyptians did the same thing. The second that they heard Moshe, oh, the whole water is turning into it. They're like, you know, and the entire water turned to blood. He's like, see, I did this. You know, it was me. So the Egyptians, but what happens if you don't want to see God, you're going to be like, aha, you see? He did it. This is what the atheists do today. You see? It was all science. Nothing to do with God. It, this guy just changed everything. That's why, that's why they go and, and, you know, and they change it. But even more than that, the Egyptians went, they purchased water from the Jews, they painted an exorbitant amount, and then they turned it into blood themselves through magic. But one thing they failed to realize, they failed to mention, is that the blood that they turned, in, that they turned into, they, from, they turned from water, was not actually real blood. It just looked like blood. The blood in the Nile, the blood that Moshe Rabbeinu, the blood of Aaron, the blood of the plagues of God, that turned into legitimate blood. They're just turned to fruit coloring blood. They just turned to the, into fake blood. They didn't mention it, but the idea is that if somebody wants to see another option, if you don't want to look for God, you will look at even the farthest you know option possible, and you say, you know what, God doesn't exist, even though it's so clear, even though it's so obvious. But if you don't want to see God, you won't see God. We're looking to be like, come on, you Egyptians, you're crazy. It's happening today nowadays. The same exact thing. You have people nowadays that are going, and they're going through, they're going through, you know, life, and they're saying there's no such thing as God. How can there not be such a thing as God? They're like science. The science doesn't prove anything that there's no God. There's obviously a God, but if you don't want to look for it, you're not going to find it. Five more minutes with us. Okay. So the and what was the what was the biggest proof? The biggest proof was the smell. So the, according to the Egyptians, they knew they couldn't turn into real blood that will kill the fish. 
and here they see that the fish stunk, that the water stunk, it must be that it came from the fish. Okay, the Paro, out of all the Egyptians, suffered the least during this plague. Why? Three reasons. Number one, God wanted to give him another chance to repent. Number two, God wanted to give him reward for the years that Moshe Rabbeinu stayed in his, uh, in his palace. Number three, if, if people were so awestruck, am I going too fast? I'm going late, I'm going because it's so fast. Number one, because God wanted to give another chance to repent. Number two, reward for Paro for raising Moshe Rabbeinu in his palace. Number three, if Paro is immune to this plague, and immune to other plagues, imagine the downfall it's going to be when he's going to get, when he's going to fall down. So the more immune that he looks, the bigger the downfall that he's going to get. Now, because Paolo didn't have any problem with his own water, he felt there was no reason to send out the Jews. Why was there no problem Because of those two reasons. God gave him a reason not to have a problem with the water, because God wanted either to reward him, either, you know, or to give him a chance to repent, or to uh, go and make his downfall greater. It's actually not or, it's all at those three. So, Ben Ishchai goes and says like this. Ben Ishchai says, he says it goes so much more than this, so beautiful. Dam, the numerical value of Dam is 44. It's also exactly the same as the horoscope. The horoscope, the mazal of, of Egypt is a taleh, a lamp. Taleh is 44. God went and he took their God and he used the, what did he turn? He didn't dry out the, the river. He could have dried out the river. He turned it specifically to blood, which is the same numerical value as their mazal, as their horoscope, showing that your horoscope, your all your astral, nothing pays, nothing has any power whatsoever. It's only coming from God. That's why specifically it turned into blood because it has the same numerical value as tale, as lamb, which is their, their mazal, their horoscope. Now, you could say that maybe the whole reason that the, that the Nile turned into blood is because it was giving a sign to the Egyptians, throw more Jewish blood into here. Kill more, maybe you could say it like that. But the reason that showed that it wasn't was that the fish died. The fish played such an important aspect over here that now that the fish died, meaning that the river had absolutely no power whatsoever. Because no river will kill its own, will kill, kill from its own. Now that it killed, you cannot say, oh yeah, you know, the river turned to blood to show that the Jewish people should be, be more thrown. To any interpret, any possible interpretation that the Egyptian could have that showed that maybe it was the god of the Nile, the god of Egypt, God took it out of the equation. The Abbas Chaim goes and says more like this, getting a little Kabbalistic. The Abbas Chaim goes and says like this, that, uh, when did the Pasha, the, the, um, when did the Makkah of Dam begin? It began in Tammuz. What's the astrological sign of Tammuz? Anybody here born in Tammuz? No one here is born in Tammuz? Cancer. Right? The astrological sign of, of Tammuz, the horoscope, the, the, um, what is it called in Hebrew? The horoscope. The uh, English. The horoscope. The horoscope of, of, of Tammuz, um, Tammuz, you think about like August. I think August is, is Cancer, right? No, it's Leo. No, January, uh, July is Leo. And Virgo, so what's Cancer? June? Yeah, June. Okay. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, so, um, so the, the month of Tammuz is, is, um, is Cancer. Now, Cancer, there are, I, I really don't, you know, did not intend to speak about the, the horoscopes, but there are four elements, the four basic elements, right? You guys aware of that? Yeah. Air, water, earth, and fire. There are 12 months. Each three month corresponds to another element. Make sense? Three, four, twelve, I got, okay, good. You with me so far? The Tammuz, the, is the foundation of water. That's where the beginning of the, of the 
of the element of water comes into play, which means it's the foundation of water. The Makkah of Dam begins in Tammuz. Why? Because that is the foundation of cancer, which is the foundation of water, which is the source of all water. That's why God took apart that, you know, astrological sign of the power of water, specifically on that, showing that there's nothing other than God. This is also why was water punished first? Well, not water punished, I'm sorry. What was the Makkah, well not punished. What was the Makkah of water hit first? Because water was the first thing also that God created. Water was one of the first things that were created in the, in the creation of the world. That's why Dam was the first thing that, 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 that took the hit on, on water. Now, everything was measure for measure. What was measure for measure? The Egyptians, they, they did not, they wanted to do population control on the Jewish people. So what did they do? They did not allow them to go and bathe the woman people, the woman to go into the mikvah. After a woman, you know, finishes her, her period, she has to go to the mikvah and then she can be with her husband. The Egyptians, well, let's hold all the questions to the end. The Egyptians prevented this from happening. They did, why? Because they wanted to have a population control. How, how long does a woman have to count after her period? She has to count seven clean days. How long was the Makkah? Seven days. Seven days. Who was the Makkah brought by? It was brought by Aaron. Why by specifically by Aaron? We know Aaron is Oed Shalom Berodef Shalom. What was Aaron's main thing? He always made peace. Who did he make peace with you? Your husband and wife. Now what if a woman can't go to the mikvah? Yeah, it causes some friction in the house. Who is the one that suffered the most by this? By Aaron. Midak and Midak. Who is the one that's going to go and bring the plague? That's Aaron Akon. Aaron Akon is going to go and bring, a, bring the plague specifically uh, because they prevented the, the Nidah. Says Rabbi Yaakov Abu Chatzel, the grandfather of the Baba Sali in Pituchei Chotam. I'm going to go very fast. I want to finish up over here. The Zohar says like this. The Zohar says there are three merits that the Jewish people went and they... Uh, they, they Hasten the redemption. They they speed they sped up the redemption. Number one, they were very careful in Ida. The Jewish people were very careful in Ida. Number two, they didn't commit any murder in the miscarriage. They the, the husbands could have convinced their wives, so listen, the you know, Paro is gonna go destroy the baby. Have a miscarriage. You know, they, they could have made a miscarriage, but they didn't do that. So they didn't commit any murder, and finally they didn't intermarry. Because of these three things, they had the merit of hasten, of, of speeding up the, the redemption. Another reason why measure for measure, everything is measure for measure that God did. Why did God go and, and give them the punishment of blood on the water? Because they used to use the Jewish people to be water carriers for their water. Oh, you're using water carriers for their water? You're using the Jewish people to use your water? Now you're not going to be able to use your water. Another reason is why? Because they spilled Jewish blood like water. They, we know Paro went and, and destroyed and killed Jewish babies to bathe in their bloods. Oh, what do you usually bathe in? Water. Now you bathe in blood, now you can only bathe in blood. Measure for measure. Even more so, where did they throw the Jewish babies? Into the Nile. You cause Jewish blood to be spilled. Where you throw it is exactly what's going to turn into, in, into, into blood. The Egyptians for, did not allow the Jewish people to go and shower. They did not allow to go to them and bathe in the, in the Nile. Oh, you didn't allow them to bathe in the Nile? Now you cannot bathe in the Nile. I don't think anybody wants to bathe in blood. And they're like, oh yes. Use those chemical compounds. I mean, maybe some people will be good for the skin. I don't know. Um, but in general, you don't want to do it. Paro became wealthy on the expense of Jews. Now Jews became wealthy on the expense of the, of the Egyptian. The Mam laws, we'll finish with this final thought. The Mam laws said that the, every water has certain uh, chemical properties. And some waters have benefits to your mind, to your body, uh, to, and even to your spirit to an extent. Then the waters of the Nile had a very, very strong benefit to people that would practice magic. But after the, the plague of the blood, the Niles lost its power. Once it's lost power, measure for measure, everything went from measure for measure. When we're looking at the plagues, when we're looking at all these Malkot, we have to realize the depth that we're talking about. We have to realize in how much God, the, the, everything that God does is measure for measure. Everything that God does has a purpose. And what God was showing at this point in time was, I exist. This is step one of the ten introductions that God, the, God gives the Egyptian and the Jewish people. Hey, 
I exist. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.